0: The following audio is from LaGrange Church of Christ, located in Texas. For more information about LaGrange Church of Christ, please visit our website at www.lagrangecoc.com. Well, grace and peace to you this morning. Thank you, Derek, for, for reading that passage uh, from 1 John 4. Um, we're doing things a little bit different this morning, and so we are going to have communion. It's just going to be after the lesson today. And um, we have been in the book of Acts, but again, we're, we're also doing something a little bit different in that I feel that the Lord's Supper is so important to us that it would do us good from time to time to sort of make that the, the central part of what we do and, and have everything in worship sort of lead up to the Lord's Supper. And that's what we're going to do this morning. Christians talk a lot about love, and rightly so. Love is our greatest virtue. It binds us to God, and it binds us to one another. And so we must speak of love often, because without love, we are nothing. If we do not have love, then we are lost. You cannot be a Christian without love. It's impossible. Love is essential to the Christian faith. We saw that in our reading just a few moments ago. Jesus identifies two greatest commandments. And these are commands that speak of love. We're to love God and we're to love our neighbor as ourselves. He also says that our love for one another is how people will recognize us in this world. The Apostle Paul devotes an entire chapter to love in 1 Corinthians 13. And he says, without love, things such as prophecies, knowledge, and faith are absolutely nothing. At the end of that chapter, he identifies three virtues. He talks about faith, hope, and love. But then he says, the greatest of those three is love. What is more important than faith? What is more important than hope? Paul says, love is more important. John, the beloved disciple, meditates on love throughout his letters. And he gives us one of the most profound yet simple statements in Scripture. He says, God is love. And I think we could spend a lifetime just meditating on those three simple words. As Christians, we have good reasons for talking about love often. It is the greatest command. It is what we are to be known for in this world. It is the greatest virtue that we have. It is who God is. And over and over again, the Bible, we're directed towards love and its significance. Jesus, Paul, Paul. John and others, remind us just how important love is. It's at the core of who we are as Christians. And so if we place anything above love, then we're doing Christianity all wrong. If we place faith above love, or hope above love, or truth above love, then we have misunderstood what Christianity is all about. Now, all those things are important, and we need them. But they're not more important than love. Jesus is asked, what is the greatest command? Paul says, the greatest of these is love. And so when love is spoken of by both Jesus and Paul, we find this phrase, the greatest. Because there's nothing greater than love. So what is love? Well, that's actually a very important question, especially considering the times in which we live. We think that we know what love is. We all have people in our lives whom we claim to love. It's a word that is used quite frequently in our culture. We say that we love uh, certain TV shows. We use it of... Uh, of sports teams that we endear ourselves to. We say that we love our favorite foods. And at the very same time, some of us are very hesitant to use this word in regards to people. We feel uncomfortable sometimes saying that we love someone. I think that's because we recognize that there is power in that word. It is a word that means something. And so, um, although we use it lightly in some ways, in other ways we do not. Love in in modern times has become all about our feelings and our personal happiness. We have invented wild tales about love. It's popular now to say that we're searching for our soulmate. And really, that's just a modern myth because people have loved for thousands of years without... Um, having the word soulmate as part of their vocabulary. Uh, We have equated love to whatever feels right. If it brings me happiness, then it must be love. If it feels good, then it must be love. Where have these modern notions of love led us? Well, they have led us to have record high divorce rates, they have led us, or led many, to um, give up on the idea of marriage itself. And they've led others to redefine what marriage is. And so our modern notions of love have not led to longer-lasting relationships. And although we have sought happiness for ourselves, happiness is not always what we have found. So what is Love. Well, it is associated with feelings and happiness. Uh, Don't get me wrong. We we would be wrong to deny that that is not a part of love because it is. It has to do with our feelings. It has to do with our happiness. But at the same time, it's much more. Love is commitment. It's when we bind ourselves to one another. It is thinking of the needs of others more than our own. This is love. Love. When we hear the word love, we often think of marriage and that's okay because marriage is a great example of what love is. Marriage is how God describes his relationship with us. God binds himself to us. He's here for us even when we don't act as we should. He's here for us even when we are selfish, even when we're just thinking about ourselves, He's here for us even when we are unfaithful. And we see this clearly in the book of Hosea, where God calls the prophet to make a covenant with an unfaithful prostitute and to keep it. Because that's an example of what God is like. He's here for us no matter what, He's bound Himself to us. Love is also a journey. It's a journey that we have no idea where it's going to take us. Uh, this picture was taken a little over 11 years ago. And, and shortly after that, uh, Laura and I made a commitment to one another. Uh, we were kids then, and now we have kids of our own. And, and a lot has occurred in those 11 years. We had no idea that we'd end up in Texas, uh, but we're glad that we did. We couldn't have told you how our lives um, were going to change over those years, things that would happen, good things and bad things. And we're different people than we were back then. You know, life happens. Uh, you grow up, you mature as the years go by. Uh, some days are better than others. Some years are better than others. But throughout it all, love. Has bound us to one another. And so, no matter what happens in life, and and a lot does happen, we know that we're in this together. Uh, We know that we can trust one another. We are united and we're working towards the same goal. But love is not just for marriage, love is for the church, it's who we are to be as Christians. And love is visible. It's something that people can see. Jesus says people will know that we are disciples by the love that we have for one another. And so it's something that people in the world will be able to identify us by. Our love is not just feelings for one another, it's how we treat one another, it's what we do for one another, it's how we speak about one another. It's giving one another the benefit of the doubt. It's sharing meals together and it's getting to know one another. And so love is all these things. And when love is absent, people see this as well. We've all been around a couple who are struggling in their marriage and they're always arguing. Uh, You know, they, they continually put each other down There is a lack of trust in the relationship, and that's obvious. And no one wants to be around that couple where love is absent. And the same is true of churches. People are able to recognize churches where love is not present. And so instead of being known for their love, they're known for something else. Uh, Maybe they're known for their doctrinal stances, or, or maybe they're known for what they say about other Christians. They place other things about love above love, and it shows. And this is not a picture of beauty. Whenever we lack love, we are not being what God wants us to be. A marriage without love is not a godly marriage. A church without love is not a faithful church. And so love must be at the center of our relationships. And this is not just an opinion. This is not just a nice thought. This is an absolute must. If we don't love, then we've completely missed the point of the Bible. Because love is who God is. John makes this clear in 1 John 4.8. Anyone who does not love does not know God because God is love. And so John makes the claim, if we don't love, then we don't know God. If we do not love, then we've missed something along the way. We do not have a relationship with God because if we did, then we would love. This is because God is love. And that's the logic of John there. To know God is to know and understand the importance of love. In other places in Scripture, we're told to imitate God. We are commanded to be like God. But how is this possible since we cannot see God? Well, Paul actually explains this in Ephesians 5, 1 and 2, where he writes, Therefore, be imitators of God as beloved children and walk in love. As Christ loved us and gave himself up for us. A fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. And so Paul gives us the command in verse 1. He says that we are to be imitators of God. We are to act like God. And he explains this by saying this means that we should walk in love since God is love. That's what it means to uh, imitate God. It's to walk in love. Well, what does this look like? Well, he goes on to further explain that it looks like Jesus. Because Jesus was God in the flesh. We don't have to wonder what God looks like. We don't have to wonder what love looks like. We know. Paul says here, it looks like Jesus. Jesus is God in the flesh. He lived a life of love. He lived a life... That placed the needs of others above his own. And he spent time with people. And he, he ate meals with people. And he, he listened to people. He didn't always have to have the last word in the conversation. He helped those in need. He sacrificed himself for others. And this is love in its purest form. In 1 Corinthians 13, Paul spends, again, an entire chapter just sort of meditating on, on what love is. And this is something that we need to spend some time thinking about. We need to consider whether our lives align with what Paul is describing in that chapter. These are the characteristics of Christianity. And I'll just pull out a couple of verses. There's much more, and we need to go and look at it. But but just notice these two verses. Love is patient and kind. Love does not envy or boast, it is not arrogant or rude. It does not insist on its own way. It is not irritable or resentful. And so here we're given some very specific things about love. If we're going to be loving, then this means we must be patient. It means we must be kind. It means we must be humble and polite and, and willing to let others have their way. This also means if we are doing the opposite of any of these things, then we are not loving. If we are impatient or if we are unkind, then we have not shown love. If we are envious, boastful, arrogant, or rude, then we are not acting in love. If we insist on our own way, then love is not in us. Of course, you know, love is more than this. But it's helpful to have something like this in 1 Corinthians 13 where it's a a list to look at. These are the things that we need to be doing if we're going to be devoted to loving one another. So could love be any more important? We've outlined many of the important passages in the Bible regarding love. Um, We've seen that, that God is love. Who he is at his very being is love. You know, John could have used all kinds of different things, but no, he says love. God is love. The Bible doesn't say God is truth or God is hope. Those are important. Again, we need those things. But what's important is love. Jesus identifies the, the two greatest commands as loving God and loving others. These two commands are more important than any other command that we have. They define what we are called to do and who we are called to be as Christians. And then at the end of 1 Corinthians 13, Paul identifies love as the greatest Christian virtue there is. It's greater than faith. It's greater than hope. We can have all the truth in the world. But if we don't have love, then that is meaningless. It's meaningless. So these three scriptures make love essential. But God is not done. He wants to give us one more thing to remind us of how important love is. And so, each week, when we come to the table, we are reminded of love. How so, you might ask? Well, when we partake of the Lord's Supper, we are reminded of the love that Jesus had for us. But also, we're reminded of the love that we're called to have for one another. In John chapter 13 we're given a a different perspective of the Lord's Supper than we get from Matthew, Mark, and Luke. Um, It's in that chapter that we're told about Jesus washing the disciples' feet prior to eating the meal. And that's an act of love. But that's not what I want us to notice this morning. I want us to pay attention to the words of Jesus that, that he gives his disciples right after the meal. And so imagine... Um, Jesus and the disciples and they've just partaken of the last supper or what will become the Lord's Supper and this is what he says to them immediately following little children yet a little while I am with you you will seek me and just as I said to the Jews so now I also say to you where I am going you cannot come a new commandment I give to you that you love one another just as I have loved you You all start to love one another. By this, all people will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. This is an important command about love. Um, But it's made even more important in that it's given immediately after Jesus instituted the Lord's Supper. And so when we come together on Sunday morning and we partake of this meal We're not only communing with God, but we're also communing with one another. Um, We can only do this if we have love for one another. In 1 Corinthians, Paul chides the church for how they were practicing the Lord's Supper. Uh, One of the problems was they they weren't waiting for one another. There were divisions among them. Um, Now, they were doing what they were commanded to do. They were eating the bread... They were drinking the cup, but they were not doing it in love. What happens when you obey the commands, but you do not do them in love? Well, Paul says to the Corinthians, it's not the Lord's Supper you're eating. You're doing something else. He says, without love, the Lord's Supper is meaningless. Without love, what we do as Christians is meaningless. Meaningless. And so as we gather around the table this morning, we need to remember that Jesus died for us. We need to reflect on the love that he had for us when he willingly went to the cross. But that's not all. Uh, The supper is not just all about what Jesus did for us. That's where it starts. That's the, the central part of it. But it should also lead us into something else. It should lead us further. Because it's also about our love for one another. And so as we eat the bread and as we drink the cup this morning. Let us be reminded of the words Jesus spoke on the night that he partook of this meal with his disciples. Let us reflect on the new command that he gave them. A command that we're expected to live by today. And so we're going to sing a song to prepare ourselves to eat this meal. As we do this, uh, we don't want to make the same mistakes the Corinthians did. So don't partake of this meal if you have hatred in your heart. Don't eat the bread and, and drink the wine if you have something against your brother or sister and you have not made it right. As we sing this song, allow the love of Christ to fill your heart. And if you need to use this time to offer a prayer to God and and to get right, then, then do that. But let's be reminded of the love that God has for us and the love that we are to have for one another. As we now join our voices in song.